Hello and welcome to Start Small Podcast with me, James York, and... Do it, James. Do it. Do the thing. That's Ted Knutson, who has decided on a new intro. You're lucky he's not singing, actually. Um, we're doing transfers today, aren't we, Ted? Hey, were you making fun of my singing? No. You said Just they the... were lucky. <laughs> my, uh, I appear to have slipped in my emphasis there. Frosty. Frosty, that's how we're starting this bad boy. Hey, it's a transfer podcast. It's the first one of the silly season of the summer of 2020, which yeah, is the, the season hasn't even finished yet. I mean, yes, but the silly season has started. I guess the German season's finished. I, I mean, we, we've literally seen transfers already happen. So. This is <laughs> true. Contracts are also done. Like There are a lot of guys who have gone out of contract as of the 30th of June. So I know that you think that you know, it's not time for this, Quiet. but it's time for this. Quietly, quietly, the games recently haven't been too invigorating, have they? They've been, there's been a few... They've been few, good. Did you, you didn't watch Tottenham Everton then? Well, no, I I am not a fan of either of those teams. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't the most I don't know one nil victory to a Mourinho team. If you know if you're told that afterwards, you, you're like, ah, I don't mind, don't mind that I missed that. Do you, really? Do you know that for my mental health, I go out of my way to not watch Jose Mourinho teams unless I'm forced to do so, because they're typically terrible to watch and have been for a very long time now. There was a fight. I saw that between Son and Larice. We weren't talking about this is transfer podcast, James. I don't. This is not your therapy. <laughs> maybe to talk about maybe Jose we, Mourinho <laughs> managing your team. Normally, when players start fights with their own own teammates, uh, one of them gets transferred. <laughs> but anyway, let's hope that that doesn't happen because these were good Let, players. Hopefully, you return to the halcyon days of Nicholas Bentner and Emmanuel Adebayor not passing to each other. That was yeah. That was fun. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? Right, so let's let's get going. Right, first of all, we've got a few lists of high-profile names that could be on the move this summer, and we're going to kind of rattle through them. Uh, or, you know, because there's some contract stuff as well, but um, we'll, go, we'll go through what we've got. Um, maybe I will add a little bit more to that section. Anyway, Thiago's the first one, uh, who appears to be agitating for A, a new contract, or B a move elsewhere and a large contract. Um, yeah, so that the, the context around that story is pretty interesting, right? So he was ready to sign, and I think Bayern offered him a new contract, and he just like, you know, eh, I'm not feeling it. And uh, he has one year left, which is, and they, they don't want him to, to run it down for zero. Uh, so yeah, it looks like you know, something's going to happen now, and, and now it's the shopping period. And the big rumor earlier this week was that he was going to go to Liverpool. Liverpool. So I think the latest update on that is um, that no approach has been made. Not that. I mean, that what does mean that anything. mean? <laughs> I know. It's just like, okay, now we know where we are with things. No, so, not really. It doesn't mean so a thing. James and I had a very delicate conversation about the player recruitment course that he's working on. That uh, basically he was like, so um, what can we say about how things actually operate versus how they're supposed to operate? And I'm just like, we kind of have to tell the truth, right, James? Like, you know, you do contact the agent to find out if the player is interested in coming to your team. Because if he's not, then why would you go to the club and start that whole conversation? 
<laughs> I plead the fifth on this. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, it's interesting, interesting thing. And it, obviously, the Thiago story has kind of like kicked up, kicked up all around the place um, with people uh, thinking uh, it's either a good idea or a bad idea. I think the general analytics, uh, like traditional kind of like analytics view, is he is 29 years old, will require a large contra- contract, potentially a large fee, has had many injuries, and therefore um, shouldn't be purchased by say Liverpool and I, I, until he's 30 <laughs> I have a slightly contrary view to this because I think I think you can when you've got the true elite the true elite players and I generally believe Thiago is like you know absolute top tier midfielder I think you can kind of do it once you can kind of go and buy like you can you can one time buy that older, slightly injury-prone player and have him as part of your squad rotation. And, and I don't know if you can give him two or three year deal, three year deal, and not a four year deal, then that's better too. Mm-hmm. But there's there's subtleties around this, and I, I I do like him that much of a player that I can see why Liverpool might want to just bring him in and stick him in the Wijnaldum slot. And Wijnaldum's got a year left in his contract, same age. So like you know, is this a question of like do we get? Do we get uh, Thiago to play the Wijnaldum slot and then we'll let uh, Genie move? Or, you know, is, 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 does it create an alternative in that slot? I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an intriguing little uh, little potential transfer that may probably won't happen, but uh, I don't know. Those are my general thoughts. Ted, what have you got? Well, it's interesting to see football really start to change uh, around older players in contract. And the I will tell you, like, I do not agree that most of the world, especially like the fandom, has any clue as to what peak age looks like. I think that they're wrong. And I, I try not to push back about this too much because it's actually like a pretty enormous edge if you if you have a better idea of what peak age is than than the other people. Um, but you know, as you're as you're hitting 29, like most people won't even disagree that oh yeah, you're probably on the the other side of of the coin, and you hope that it's a, a gradual decline. But there's this other bit that, you know, people would say Statsbomb only signed young players or would only recommend signing young players. That, that is not true. We like value. And value can be represented by a number of things versus the market. And, you know, signing a guy that is really like still managing to be one of the best players in the world at his position when he's healthy um, for, you know, a moderate discount as he's older and you get him on, like as you say, a three-year like I don't mind that. Like there, I think there was a time when Fulham signed Berbatov for like four million pounds or something, <laughs> and he was like, what, thirty years old. And I was like, man, you're not going to get anybody better for like that sort of value. And and Berbatov's amazing, even if he's smoking. So like I did not mind that at all. And there was a David Villa signing that was late in his career that I thought was you know perfectly good. So it's it's not just about age it's about value of performance but also knowing that there will be some decline over the course of the the couple of years so yeah i liverpool also have the space to be able to pull that off i think that's actually a good segue into the next guy that we would talk to who did not move anywhere but has signed a new contract 31 years old uh just about 32 uh this coming month nemanja matic yeah, see, I feel differently about <laughs> about this one because uh-huh. I don't feel I don't feel like Nemanja Matic is 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 still an elite footballer. Um, I, I concur, like Doctor. <laughs> he's 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 fine. He's he's a he's a good player. He has been a very good player. But yeah, um, I I do wonder how much a, a nice little bit of good form and and the 
perfect timing of like, hey, everything is looking well in the garden kind of thing uh, has led him to get this contract right now. But I don't know. I mean, I think I'd probably be considering investing in the squad uh, as someone younger. You've got you've got Fred and McTominay who are uh, okay. They're not the you know the world's finest uh, footballers, but they're they're players that can kind of like cover this position for you potentially. And Bruno and Pogba. Yeah, I mean, is this is he the, is he is he the kind of like the sitter behind Bruno and Pogba for like you know next whole of next season, whole of the season after. Is that he what does you're not, planning? He doesn't move that way, though. Like, Fred moves that way, but, like, Matic is not snuffing out the the volume of attacks that you want him to. Look, so let's let's start this by saying that United are weird. Like, they have much bigger margin for error because they have so much more money. And so if they wanted to give, you know, a 32-year-old that they like and, you know, might be a good presence and, and people actually seem to, to think that he's a good presence, you know, they're perfectly capable of doing that and and not optimizing. Like most of us, most teams out there have to really optimize, which means they often have to take some risk. And sometimes those risks are that a player that they they like, you know, they want to get rid of them because they're worried about the downside. But that doesn't mean the player is going to like inherently decline. Like they're worried about that downside, and so they'll sell them on and then have to take the risk of getting a new player to replace them. With Matic, he's basically been the same dude. Um, yeah, he seems like he's the, the layoff did him well. Like United are playing fairly well, although you know again, like some of these goals are a little bit lucky. They've they've squeaked some luck out. Uh, maybe Mason Greenwood is the the third coming of you know football Jesus. I don't know, but yeah. So like, I guess when when it comes around to this, United a bit like Bayern, you'd say that they have the freedom to kind of do what they want with older players, and you know if they still like him and want to keep him around, that's fine. But I would, I would hope that he's not playing many minutes in, you know, <laughs> maybe not next year, but certainly the two years after that. You do not want, you know, Nemanjić to be roaming around your midfield if you can help it. Yeah, I was just, yeah, looking at the kind of metric stuff. He doesn't seem to have changed in like the last four seasons, really. I mean, uh, the, the the point after that is like, what well, was he better before? I mean, it's just, I guess you know, a guy that kind of ticks around your midfield and keeps keeps the ball quite well. There's something to be said with that. And Man United have have actually, at least from a loan perspective, moved quite a few players on. Um, or, you know, Sanchez and Smalling have kind of gone out. And they did, did clear clear house a little bit last season. I still think there's more work to be done. And may, may, maybe maybe they're thinking of depth, because depth is the is the the issue with with their, their squad right now. And, you know, it's pretty, it probably is easy just to keep him around. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm laughing at, like, you know, Alexis Sanchez just coming back and you're like, oh, oh man, I forgot about that. I'm Lukaku, I think, is, is has a permanent move coming, but it's it's difficult to see United being able to. No, he's yeah, Lukaku, Lukaku went. I was, I was I had that in mind as well that he was on loan, but I think he actually went fully. So it's um yeah, yeah. So that that was that was a sort of loan with a buying an enforced buying option order. But I, I think that the Alexis Sanchez might have been the turning point for a lot of football, right? Like you, that older deal, especially in the English realm, you don't see that older deal happen as much. You know, I. Our podcast probably takes a little bit of credit for that. Like we've been banging on this drum for quite a long time, but you know, I think in the analytics sphere and most clubs becoming smarter about this, they understand that. <laughs> now the camera pans over to Barcelona, <laughs> you'd be like, I'm not sure the Barcelona understand that, despite having some very intelligent people on their analytics group. 
I don't think they have anything to do with the recruitment side of things. And that's actually, you know, that's the the bigger soccer theorem that says that, you know, as as older players, you know, who have been quite good, but, you know, are coming into their their sort of non-peak era, where are you going to move them for moderate to significant amounts, not only to move them for a fee potentially, but to get those transfer wages off of your books. And yeah, I, I think in England, you know, Sanchez might have been like the tipping point for that. Uh, I, I don't think that that tipping point has been reached in, in other parts of the world yet. Yeah, no, you could be right. And then obviously the Ozil deal just like stinks the house out every time. You know, wasn't that, was that like Wenger's <sighs> last kind of move, wasn't it? Give, giving Ozil a new deal and then it's just gone sideways ever since yeah so i had a perspective on that one and and my perspective was that his his age profile they tend to age pretty well but he's just been blocked out yeah and i thought he could just dink managers i thought he could just dink sit sit deeper in midfield and just kind of dink it around you know put someone next to him with legs and he could just dink it around and and just be good and then he just i don't i don't even i mean who even knows even even when our first came in even when Arteta first came in, he had a couple of games where he was allowed to counter, and he was beautiful at just being able to control the ball and move it quickly through the midfield on the counterattack. And that's what Mesut Ozil actually has done for his entirety of his career. He and Kevin De Bruyne were two of the best uh, counterattacking uh, attacking mids that, that you could see. They had other abilities as well, but that was one of the things that really helped elevate them to being the best during their, their era. Uh, but yeah, like... It, it might just be, and and you're gonna you're gonna bring this up in a second. It might just be that Arsenal are very much in the phase of all right. Arteta has the reins; he's allowed to clear house. And if you're not gonna play, you're not gonna play. And and you know he's he's making it pretty darn clear to certain players that you know either you get along or like we're just done and you gotta go. Yeah, I mean this this is the the thing that yeah we're gonna come to now. Like Gwen Gwendozi's like there were reports yesterday. That he's on his way out, hasn't trained with the squad for two weeks, and basically has just fallen foul of of the regime. Uh, I, yeah, what's it? He, there was arguments after the Brighton game, wasn't there? Um, he pushed more pay over, and there was you know some kind of like to and fro, which in itself is you know a bit of handbags and not not worth worrying about. I think yeah, the, or- t- the Ornicle had a lot more detail on this. So so Ornstein said that it wasn't just that. Uh, it was also that there had been another sort of incident, uh, a disciplinary incident uh, with Arsenal's uh, sort of back to, it's not a preseason camp. I don't even know what you call this <laughs> COVID camp or whatever. Um, and and that was also another one. And, and Edu had to step in along with Arteta. And I think that they, you know, they've just decided that you know, discipline is a really big deal. And I don't think that's unfair. Like for, for Arsenal right now, yeah, the squad attitude is really drifted. You know, Mikel seems like he's he's doing a good job. When when he first took over, we very clearly said on this podcast that his focus was going to be defensively, and they have had an awful lot of clean sheets since Mikel t- came in. And then you build the defensive stability, you teach the system, and then you start to build in the attacking ability. And Arsenal have had some really actually rather nice results, minus you know the Brighton one. They're they're still sort of like mismatched pairs. But the Guendouzi one is is a moment, right? Like this is a, a pretty critical moment because he looks like one of the better young midfielders in Europe right now. He's not, you wouldn't describe him as elite, but he also just turned 21. 
Yeah, I mean he's real fine. He's like you know he's been playing Premier League football since since you know he's nineteen. Like you don't find many of these players, and he was a hell of a find. Uh, it would be it would be a shame for you know the whole kind of like concept of uh, finding these players if if he's you know just got temperament that doesn't doesn't fit fit uh, the bill. But Rabio's another one, right? Uh, Rabio actually is the better version. Right? He's the he's the rich man's version of of Guendouzi. And that, like, he's, there's no question that he's been elite. I broke in early with PSG. And it, but, you know, behind the scenes, apparently, pain in the ass and, you know, always stumping for more money. And his mom's tough to deal, deal with as an agent, not just his mom being tough to deal with, but that's his agent as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, he, he's one that, you know, possibly, could be even bigger and better and deserves to play in some of the best places. But he's 25, Robbie. I can't believe that. Just yeah, yeah. Now. And he's played quite a lot. He's been, he's been, you know, starting matches since the since the restart. Because that, you know, that whole Juve recruitment last last year and last couple of years, it's like, right, you want all the midfielders? All of them? Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and now they're like, swap deals, get your midfielder swap deals. <laughs> but he's, uh, yeah, he seems to have, uh, seems to have, if, if not, you know, become a nailed on starter for them. He's, 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 playing most games at the moment he's so, he's uh, pretty damn good and he has been good for them and he was pretty damn good at psg even as like a teenager so yeah he's a he's an impressive one i mean he played what 22 and a half 90s for psg at age 22 uh you know in in their sort of like the beginning of their elite period and his his output looks very similar and the one thing about rabio that that always surprises me is like that dude is a unit and you don't always notice it. Like sometimes the the hair, you know, makes you think that people are bigger than that. But his hair's a bit big, and he's big. He's like I think he's like one ninety centimeters, something like that, and and really quite solidly built. So yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's an interesting comparison, isn't he? Because yeah, he was he, eighteen, nineteen when he came into the team, about a thousand minutes per season at least, kind of peaking in seven sixty, seventy, seventy, eighteen. And then off to, off to Juve, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of a shame for Gunduzi that, that I mean, who's who's going to pick him up now? I mean, someone will obviously, like, there's always someone, but you know, if if there are kind of like temperament issues, like, what kind of feeder do, do, do you then get for for this kind of player? I mean, he's, I guess it's, don't know, don't really see this happen very often. Like, you know, good talent, good young talent, actually hitting the free, the free market, so to speak. Um, in that, yeah. you know, without you know suitors, so you know, if, if that makes sense. Well, it's um, like not a great time to try and sell guys, but you know, maybe like this is maybe it's just a threat, right? Like get yourself together, or because they, he's on a long term contract, like I don't think mm. the the contract's going to be an issue. Um, but it also might also be like a little stylistic. Hey, you know, we we just don't see you fitting into what we need to do. Like we need a little more from our eights that they need to destroy and be able to to pass and move the ball. So I don't know. It's it's tough. Like, as I said, this is a moment because you do have one of the, the sort of, you know, potentially one of the better young midfielders in Europe. He has never looked out of place really at Arsenal. That was one of the surprising things when he first came on board. Yeah. But if you're if you're gonna change things and sell them, like I guess I guess you do it. Arsenal also have a lot of young players that they could raise funds with should they want to break up some of that group. Like you know, Reese Nelson, not really sure. Uh, Willock seems to be getting a lot of minutes and and seems to be positive enough. Um, and he, you know he he does have some ability. Uh, there was a really nice assist that he had the other night. Um, that 
and he, he moves the ball. He's one of the few guys right now in Arsenal's midfield that seems to be able to to move the ball forward and uh, and play in the half turn. Um, that also brings us to another one, which uh, Arteta has apparently said that he's interested in keeping Danny Ceballos around. Uh, this is me annoying Arsenal fans on Twitter again. I really like Ceballos, and I've been quite positive about it. And his his output has been elite, despite the fact that Arsenal are a weird have not played at a, at a great level during the season. But it's not just this season at Arsenal. It's also looking back at what he was at Real Madrid, which was also every time that he played, he had good stats and he was pretty good. Yeah, no, that seems to be true enough, doesn't it? I mean, promising at Betis at 20, and now he's you know, had, had got some time for Madrid last season, and now looking at yeah, looking at Arsenal, there's, he doesn't like kind of like absolutely ping any particular stat, I don't think, but he's, he's just generally solid throughout. I mean, he's, I, I don't know, I, I haven't seen enough of him really to kind of like have a strong opinion about him, but at 23, pretty good all-round player, um, he's played some odd roles, and I think that's kind of what his, his statistical output reflects, that you know, you're seeing a multiple of different roles and positions there. You go back to Madrid, though, and he's got you know nearly half a season where he looks insanely good at pretty much anything that he wants to do. And you know that, that Madrid midfield, it does help to just be part of that because they, they have so many different weapons. But like if, you, if you're not good, you will be found out immediately in in that midfield, in that league, you will look at like a sore thumb and you will stick out and not necessarily be you know, useful there. So I think that Ceballos has the full package and it would be great if, if Arsenal managed to keep yeah, him around can, for something. If they, yeah, if they can convert him, then I think that, that's probably the right thing to do there. And, you know, especially with his age and the kind of the way that he's 20, at 23, that Arsenal kind of lack that, um, I don't know, that kind of like 23, 24, 25, 26 kind of um, early peak kind of player age group and having a few more of those won't do won't do them any harm they've got you know they've got issues with these older players like Lacazette and Aubameyang they've got some really good youngsters as you talked about uh, but just having that kind of uh, that, that group of players that, that you know the the age that you guys you know I, I want lots of 23 24 25 year olds because that's that's how I'm that's how I'll probably build my really good team in three years out of those guys so well I think yeah. to, to to take us back a little bit you know we at stats bomb look pretty closely at a lot of players in and around Europe that are around this age range a few years older also a few years younger and um, you know historically we have a pretty decent habit of flagging up young guys who are Segunda La Liga that you don't know yet, but then they turn into explicitly Rodri and Fabian Ruiz, and we were we were on those guys in 2017 uh, when they were at Betis and was it Villarreal? I think it was Villarreal, uh, and we were like, yeah, these guys look like you know future high tier Champions League starters. So Bios has a similar profile. It, a lot of guys don't seem to think that he does that much, but I think that he does so many different things and is capable of doing many different things and asked to do many different things, like it's going to be hard to find another player who looks like him. Uh, so you know, if he if he doesn't end up sticking at Arsenal, then he'll potentially go somewhere else and, and also be quite successful. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, maybe maybe he doesn't go back to Madrid right now. Although, there, you know, there are older players in Madrid's midfield and how they jumble their squad up is always um you know, but they're curiosity. super willing to sell too like Hakimi was a weird one right like yeah, you wouldn't he's really good <laughs> you wouldn't shift Hakimi naturally but they liked the deal that they got from Inter and 
there you go. So uh, there are plenty of teams that are you know, raising money, I guess, from selling some assets. And some of those teams are like the Spanish giants where they just got to pay their, their wage bill, right? Hmm. Talking of uh, talking of where, where's where's the money coming from uh, this this summer? Uh, we can move on to uh, potential Chelsea signing <laughs> because I think that's where a few, a few of the the quids that are, are going to bounce around Europe uh, this summer are coming from is uh, Chelsea's uh, purchases. But Kai Havertz has been linked with them. Uh, and, you know they've already bought Ziyech, which is a you know I still much like when Lacazette Arsenal bought Lacazette. It was like you could have could have done this a year or two ago. Why didn't you? <laughs> so I feel like the ZX a little bit like that, uh, but certainly you know a very good player and uh, should 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 fit into Chelsea's interesting rotation, no problem. Timo Werner, absolute no-brainer signing, and you know probably it has saddened fans of other clubs, be it Bayern or Liverpool or whichever other giant who took a fancy to him. He's coming into Havertz as well. It would, would look like a hell of a retooling of a kind of a front line. Um, it's hard to figure out what they're going to do, right? Because, mm. like, Havertz has played as a false nine a lot for in this uh, in the restart for Leverkusen, and he hasn't looked out of place there. Um, you know, he's probably an elite 8-10 if you, as, as a natural position, but that doesn't mean that you have to keep him there. But I'm looking at this Chelsea midfield, and I'm trying to figure out how does that make sense? Like, how do you put this together without having too many pieces Who's moving on is another question. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess Pedro's out, isn't he? William's probably out. William um, and Pedro are gone, but they're wide players. And I I don't, like Havertz, you don't need to put him wide. He is faster than people expect. But, you know, also Pulisic has, <laughs> Pulisic has been on fire since uh, he came back in yeah. the summertime. Uh, so, like, Pulisic should be a starter in that new look, still super young. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Hudson-Odoi. Like that one might be one of the open questions, uh, but yeah, you've got Ziek, you've got Tammy, you've got Werner, and and you know where's Havertz putting fitting in? You've got Jorginho who hasn't been able to get on the pitch since they came back. Conte who's now twenty nine, so yeah, it's it's a Kovacic and Ross Barkley. I, oh, I Ross Barkley! Finally, you mentioned Ross Barkley, the, the hero of the modern hour. <laughs> Mason Mount. <laughs> Poor Ross Barkley. He's done well recently. He's a bit of a forgotten man there, but he has been on the pitch and done quite well recently. He's still <laughs> Ross Barkley. He still does Ross Barkley things. This, this is this is the player he is. But I, know, I think perfectly acceptable squad guy and <laughs> rotational player. I'm really trying to move past this, and you don't want to at all. No. Good old Ross Barkley. <laughs> anyway, I I think the the weird part about Chelsea is like they're buying enough pieces that they're going to have to shift some things but they're also not buying some obvious pieces that you know you're like oh yeah that makes perfect sense so in a, in a very evertonian way they're going to end up with a particularly large squad that they need to make some deals on yeah they could do couldn't they and um yeah i'm not i'm not sure how how they how they line up i mean I back to Havertz. Lampard- Lampard has his system. Yeah, I mean, anyone anyone would want to take a look at Havertz. Although, I guess there's a... I mean, this isn't fair. Because we've got Leon Bailey on our list, haven't we? And there's there's a guy that had, the, like, you know, a few months... Um, a few months at one point looking like an absolute superstar. And then he's, he's, he's kind of... It's a, a little early for a start to have waned. But, you know, he's not quite the, the hot ticket as he was, uh, you know, say, 18 months, two years ago. Um... I'm sure Havertz is going to be an elite player anyway, but 
before you know, Bailey they, moved, these things happen, don't they? Yeah. The so, so before Bailey moved, um, he was being like really aggressively shopped, uh, and he was being he was being shopped by his uh, um, his agent group, who I was told was Doyen. And they actually, I think, bought into Squawk at one point. And so, like, Bailey was getting regular, you know, uh, promos on Squawk and social media and stuff like that. And then he got picked up by Leverkusen, I think, back when Jonas Bolt was still there. Um, and, you know, it was a fairly natural move. And his stats still look pretty good. 20 but... million euros, January 2017. Yeah, he went from Genk to by Leverkusen. So, yeah, yeah so it was probably 17, 18 season was, the, was the one where he looked like he was... Um, you know, you're going to be a a, a star mm-hmm. um, of the future. Hmm. Yeah, and it, yeah, he just kind of ha- seems to have plateaued a little bit. But he's 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 still pretty young, 22. He's but th- this is it. The story, you know, the story coming through now is that he's he's available. Hello, <laughs> hello. I'm Liam Bailey. Would you, would you like to sign me? Which you know, it's which, time. <laughs> uh, basically, his uh, his agent group has decided it is time. And then the question is, who wants them and what are they paying, right? And West Ham, so, twenty-five million. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but does it feel like that? I, you know, not not to. It feels a bit like that. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, he's, <laughs> I'm not sure where to go from that. Uh, he's Hang been on. okay this season. I think. He's been good, uh, but not hasn't really, really hasn't really figured that as much as as much as he could have. He's an elite dribbler. Sub uh, sub minutes time off. You know. Yeah, he, he's an elite dribbler. He can move the ball. He is still very fast, but there are questions now, and it feels like he should have progressed more. So the question then becomes, why hasn't he? Um, before we go any further, though, while we're hanging out in the Bundesliga, I wanted to point out two things. Now that 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 season has wrapped, first of all, do you know how many assists Thomas Mueller ended up with? This yeah, I know. I do, it's it's some crazy amount. I don't know if it's a specific number, but someone put. I read that on Twitter, and it was like whatever number he was on, seventeen or sixteen or eighteen. And I was like, how do I not know about this? How how has this not been like you know tweeted relentlessly throughout the season that Thomas Mueller's had one of the all time great assist seasons? He finished with twenty one <laughs> in twenty six nineties. He finished see? with 21 assists in 2690s. That is insane. Why isn't this? Maybe stolen Meza Urzel's soul. Maybe they've swapped swapped abilities. Because like this should be Urzel's season, shouldn't this it? Ma- this makes you really sad. Also, like you know, Mueller's 30. Like he's he's not a chicken. You know, that's what, that's what I mean. And and not only is he 30, he had expected open play assists of half an assist a game. Yeah. Yeah, the De Bruyne levels, you know, they, 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 you know, one or two players in Europe a season gets to this, this yes. kind of rate. So, like, if, if you get to a lead, third, if you get to a third of an assist a season, like, you're in, like, the 1%. It's really good. Assists yeah. are harder to create, whatever. But it tells you that this guy has been doing elite things. He's at half, which I think only appears, you know, maybe 10 times in the data set since, like, the last it's, it's like Messi De Bruyne, isn't it? And one Urzel season, that kind of thing. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's bonkers. <laughs> like maybe a Di Maria season. There was a Di Maria season at, at Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you're playing with Ronaldo and and really super amazing players. You do get a chance to do slightly more amazing things. But the other thing that that this Mueller, he's got like five and a half pressure regains per ninety. Yeah. I mean, this this is this is an insane season, and people, I guess 
are not talking about it and, and particularly not outside of Germany. Like this deserves way more attention than anybody has given it. Speaking of insane seasons though, so Mueller had eight goals and 21 assists for the the league leaders. Um, yeah, Bayern, as always, 32 years old, a decade younger. Jaden Sancho had 17 goals and 16 assists in a very similar amount of time. Again, insane numbers. Bonkers well, numbers. There was, there's, yeah, there's something about this because like, I don't think I still don't think anyone's really kind of pulled apart Fathers um, like how he how he kind of gets gets the numbers he, he got. But like Dortmund, I think. Yeah, Dortmund, Dortmund's like something like something to do with their assist. Their expected assist is just like high, high, more above any, more above expectation. Than, their actual assist is more above their expectation than anyone else, anyone else in Europe. It's just like this kind of like weird little freak. And obviously, you've got Haaland, and you've got Sancho. You know, they've got a lot of players in there that are absolutely just kind of like crushing it, and they scored a lot of goals. Um, it seems to happen like to Dortmund and to Favre repeatedly that like there are these kind of uh unique ways to kind of I don't know I don't know how he does it I don't know what what is what is the crux crux to all this I wish, I wish we did we've, we've kind of poked at it in the past especially uh yeah, me and you and in our kind of uh, uh you know kind of quiet moments have, have tried to try to solve the uh Lucian Favre kind of like uh, relationship with XG and never really kind of satisfactorily got got to it. But once more, this season looks super kind of like uh, impressive and, and odd in towards that end. I, I have a hunch that with Sancho in particular, he ends up with fewer players in front of him than almost anybody when he takes a shot. Right, and 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 the model probably does not end up extending that far out to that type of outlier. Yeah, we've, we've we've definitely looked at it. me and you have definitely looked at this not not Sancho specifically. We've definitely looked at this um, you know this concept before, and not really found as something about like you know that in Father's teams. But yeah, I mean, he's what have we got? We've got him on seventeen goals for an XG of nine and a half. So that's some really good finishing, like all over the place. Quite a few from kind of slightly wider positions, pretty much deadly from anything in central. And I think you're right. I think like. The way Dortmund seem to seem to play and the the the, um, the way they create chances, you do you do see people kind of like crashing past the penalty spot with not much to beat and finishing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, zero zero penalties on those seventy goals as well. Like there's no inflation there. Sixteen assists. You know it does help to be setting up Thor in the in the second half of the season. But yeah, yeah I mean, that's a and and what was it like. 2790 like it's just a yeah. crazy crazy good season and I, I, simu- I simulated Sancho's shots um <laughs> maybe this says something about my simulation but I simulated shots and it like I think like his actual goals there was like kind of like one out of 10,000 simulations like got to got to that level over two seasons because he's got I think it's 29 league goals from we we have it as an X, xg of about 16 or something over two seasons and it's just it's an interesting question to think about. Like you know, we see we see these uh, variety of players having these really high, you know, ex- exceptional kind of finishing runs. Obviously, your man Thor there's another one, and uh, Greenwood's on a run, uh, really exceptional run at the moment. Um, but yeah, just thinking about like how these how these things occur. Um, 
I, I did have a look at the kind of Greenwood situation. I was wondering how, how frequently Greenwood's got eight from, I think, 2.7 expected goals by our model, uh, 30 shots. So I look, no, let's look at 30 shot runs throughout like the last kind of few seasons in the Premier League. And uh, Riyad Mahrez had a run where he, he scored, I, I think it was eight goals from eight goals from 30 shots with an XG was even lower. So it's, it's it can happen. It's, it's one of these kind of weird weird occurrences the thing is with Greenwood and Sancho and Haaland is their overperformance is their entire career so it, nah. it instant, instantly becomes curious <laughs> as to like how, how these things are occurring and, uh, well, and, they, and there, are, there are reasons why you might be able to sustain overperformance I mean everybody talks about oh they're going to regress I mean they might uh, I mean, the, the model's also going to move, right? Because these guys are moving the model by by performing so well. Yeah, I mean, but, but I, th- I think Green Green was a good example here because, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's got eight goals from two point seven, and this is you know hugely unsustainable. It's basically trebled his XG, and it's like, right, okay, yeah, sure. But if he'd scored six goals at this point, you'd still be thinking he was brilliant. If he'd scored five, you'd still be thinking he was brilliant. Well, and there's you also know, selection th- bias for his age too, right? Like the fact <laughs> that he's able to do this at that age is means that he's likely probably something pretty special. But there's another factor in there that you know the expected goals models just don't know, and like they don't know how hard guys strike the ball. Uh, and if you strike the ball really hard, like you are gonna prop and on target, you can beat your expected goals. Uh, Messi Messi does it in two ways. One, he's he's pinpoint uh, accurate, and he strikes the ball like really true with almost no backlift, and that that's like really unusual. And Greenwood, you know, seems to have a, a little bit of similar mechanics. So yeah, but the other thing is like if you're just constantly by yourself or with the goalkeeper in space <laughs> and and you're one of the elite footballers in the world, you can probably finish that regularly. Like you just can because and you can very few players see, do that. You can also see expected goals just by scuffing it and being one of these one of them them types of finishers. But we, all, we yeah, everyone likes good technique and Greenwood has got excellent technique, there's no doubt about it. And he he is probably an above par finisher and will probably be uh, continue to be an above par finisher as, as he gets older and goes to Your goes Bayesian priors suggest that this is true. And and this Rash, is the difference, right? Rash Rashford's quite similar because Rashford had this thing and you know, everyone was like, Oh, he scored eight goals from, you know, very small amount of XG, he's gonna regress, he won't do that forever. And he didn't, but that didn't stop the fact that what he was doing was good anyway. And you know, he progressed into being a you know a high class player. Um, that's probably a similar story with Greenwood. I, I, I completely, I would estimate that maybe Greenwood's ceiling is higher than Rashford's. Um, but they're both very good players that have come through in that Man United team, and and both had similarities in starting off with kind of like these neat little finishing benders that have that have kind of like elevated their profile. Um, yeah. I we're all you know Messi and Ronaldo changed changed the world didn't they because you know we weren't used to players getting 30 40 50 goals a season or you know 60 plus in a calendar year and all that kind of thing uh for, for you know hadn't happened in decades and then they came along and it happened it is it would be kind of fun if the next generation of um of top strikers top goal scorers you know were able to to kind of finish at these insane levels again um Obviously, Haaland's the the one that you feel that you know has and Mbappe probably if he's you know plays enough uh, enough games are the two that you'd expect to do that. Sancho and Greenwood they're not striker strikers. They'll if they get to a stage where they score 20, 25 goals every season that they play, then they're doing brilliantly. So uh, people haven't talked about Killian because that season ended, right? But you know, if you had to pick who are the two best players in the world right now, especially before. Um, you know, Holland comes back, or or even Sancho, like it's Mbappe and, and Messi, and, and which which way you order them is, is a pretty interesting question based on performance, at least. 
you know, Messi, Messi obviously has the, the air and plays the pretty interesting team. Um, so Jaden Sancho's similar players, uh, there's, there's two that I think are worth mentioning. One of them is, has played at Celtic this year, Mohamed El Yunusi. And we would say that, you know, Scotland is a fairly soft league and not super competitive. So, you know, he's putting up numbers against uh, not a great league, but they're very impressive numbers. <laughs> and they, they does not look that dissimilar to, to what um, Sancho produced over a whole season. And then a, a guy at Cambor Lee Warden. So, you know, again, not a particularly strong defensive league. But I, I mentioned him because his name is Ragnar Arat Mangun, which I, I think is quite a name i, I right. would like don't to, know the guy. <laughs> I, I would i would like to see paul merson say that name on a regular basis <laughs> so if my, yeah so if man united sign him instead of jordan sancho that would be quite something there just to take on mbappe because again this whole this whole finishing question is quite it, it, it fascinates me i might end up kind of delving in a little bit deeper but like his monaco season mbappe he's got 15 from spectacles of 8.4 so similar kind of story here like miles ahead of expectation a lot of kind of like widest shots uh the ones in the centre finished quite quite um regularly quite a few through balls you know the, the way that season went they were uh well over um then so yeah 17 18 when he went to psg he actually he was actually under i think uh by a couple of goals really uh, no yeah hang on uh yeah 17 18 yeah 13 goals from 14 and a half uh xg i had a finishing draft kind of in the center uh, 19, 18, 19, uh, 32 from 25, and it's just, you know, absolute, almost like the perfect shot map, just kind of like everything, nearly everything close in, absolute thunder of goals from the centre, and then this season, uh, was it 18 from 17, so it's an interesting kind of like relationship between, you know, when when you have that hot start and you are the elite player, because, you know, nobody's going to dispute how good Mbappe is and whether he's a good finisher or not, he's obviously, you know, very good. Um, but yeah, even even someone like Mbappe has has like far more kind of like normal as you'd expect finishing rates, like slightly ahead over yeah. you know like uh, two or three seasons rather than insanely ahead over after say you know his first thirty shots or forty shots or whatever it is. So yeah, he, I think he, it, he merely has you know point nine four expected goals per game on <laughs> five shots and <laughs> and three point two five dribbles and. 0.48 expected goals assisted, which is basically what I was amazed about Mueller. He's yeah. absurd. And how old is he right now? I used to, yeah, I don't know. Probably like 28 or something. You know, he's these things. 21. Are... <laughs> <laughs> these things get away from you. He's in the suddenly lurking. Like, oh my gosh. James has been locked in lockdown for half a decade. Everybody else, <laughs> your time is probably relative. Time moves on. Time moves on. I don't know. Have we got anything else to hit on, Ted? We've. we've, we've Covered a few topics there. I think that's now feels missed. good. Feels good to All talk right. about transfers. Uh, expect us to continue to do this throughout the rest of the summer and maybe into early September. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoy. Okay. It. Cheers, mate.